You are listening to Across the Street, Across the Country, a production of DKI Canada. I was upset. You know, I wanted to do it. I, I knew our company would do it, and I knew our company would benefit from taking a project on like that size. To me, it's about giving back and putting things back the way they were prior to the loss. The restoration that was not to be for reasons completely out of DKI's control. But this one particular case involving a Direco damaged church we told you about a year ago and the ultimate decision to not rebuild it hit Mike Foley of DKI Foley Restoration particularly hard. Mike sits down with us to explain why. And for the Anglophones listening, he shoots, he scores. We catch Lori Perizzolo as he's catching his breath between playing games in a very special and DKI-inspired hockey tournament in Calgary. Not sure if there's an actual trophy they're playing for because that's not really the goal of this competition anyway. And we've got another installment of How I Came to DKI with someone whose heavy lifting is figurative, not literal, but still integral to keeping DKI the champion of property restoration. My name is Denny Grignot, and this is Season 2, Episode 10 of Across the Street, Across the Country. One minute remaining on this Vegas power play. Panthers come in three on two shorthanded. Lundell... By the time you hear this episode, the Stanley Cup will have been awarded to a never-before winner of that coveted chalice. Yes, that final series between the still-upstart Vegas Golden Knights and the Cinderella Story Florida Panthers was a back-and-forth, hang-on-to-your-recliner hockey event that had us all... I'm sorry, I, I just can't get excited about hockey in cities where flip-flops are de rigueur 12 months a year, especially when I could instead direct my attention to another much more exciting premier hockey tournament taking place in Alberta with some DKIers donning blades, doing deeks, taking hits. Well, maybe the hits aren't that big. All in support of some good Canadian kids there, right? Stuff like that. The DKI RCCN Charity Hockey Classic is, by its organizer's definition, a weekend of questionable athletic prowess. But what's not in question, the money it will raise for Ronald McDonald House Charities. Lori Perizzolo is the Chief Operating Officer with Rocky Cross Construction in Calgary, but right now, he's a forward with the DKI RCCN Whalers. He joins me now ringside at the Wind Sports Arena in Calgary, where he just wrapped up game number three of this tournament. And in about 20 minutes, he's going to be playing in game number four. Hey, Laurie, thanks so much for, for being here. And I have to ask you right off the bat, do you want a moment to catch your breath? Because you just wrapped up one game. You know what? Uh, I feel, feel pretty good. Uh, breath is pretty good. Lungs are good. Legs starting to stiffen up a little bit. So looking forward to a real long, hot soak in the hot tub. You can't actually remove your gear right now. How clammy does the equipment feel right at this moment? Uh, it's a little wet, you know, but it's, uh, it gets comfortable once you start playing a few games and you get into a rhythm. It's, uh, it kind of feels like uh, it feels pretty comfortable, actually. Really? Huh. You know, I used to play a lot of hockey uh, up until about three years ago. And I remember one tournament 
And I was in my early 40s at the time, and I played two games in one day, and then I spent the next week feeling like I needed someone to spot me every time I raised a shampoo bottle to my head. So how did you uh, and the the players who are in similar age bracket as you, how did you actually prepare for this physically? You know, it, it's kind of men's league hockey, so it's not uh, it's not anywhere close to close to the pros or anywhere near it. Um, of course, it's just a bunch of guys getting out for some fun. So preparation isn't really too much, just making sure you're not up too, too late the night before and get a little bit of sleep when you can and uh, keep hydrated. That's pretty much it. Okay, well, I know you played last night as well. So what was this morning like when you woke up? A little tired, I'm not going to lie. Uh, this morning felt like it felt it came pretty quick, and uh, we were at the rink early to catch the first game, first game of the day for the tournament. Uh, one of the other teams participating in the event, and before you know it, we were uh, opening up the locker room for uh, for the Whalers to get going for our game at 12:45, and raced right over here to to join Chris Schmidt and the DKI Dragons with Adam Tazarek and David Getz and Sean Delory. So it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. We got uh, uh, the folks from DKI corporate office. We have uh, some of the folks from. Uh, Rocky Cross South, Jason Daniels and his crew, and uh, and we have uh, we had some really great support from our friends uh, Barclay DKI and uh, DKI Precision Out in Vancouver to help uh, help make this happen. So this is pretty much summer at this point, and as the CEO, as as the boss, how much convincing did it take to get you know the DKI people who work for you? How, how, what did it take to get them to participate? Very little, in fact. Um, the, the uptake on even volunteers from our, our staff at the office want to participate, whether it's timekeeping or, or setting up the grab bags for the teams or anything to do around the rink to help support uh, a good event. There was, uh, there was a lot of folks in the office that put their hand up right away and happy to come out. And even even the teams that we, we tried to recruit to get out, it wasn't hard to get, get people behind a good cause. I want you to be straight up here too, Laurie, because you are the CEO amongst many of these players. How does that translate in the dressing room, on the ice, and post-game for the players, but also for you and, and the other people, uh, if you can speak uh, for them, I guess, the people like Chris Schmidt, your CEO, and, and all the people in head office. I just wonder about the dynamics, or can you leave all of that you know, in the parking lot when you get on the ice? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it can be hard. Any, any, any player that's played men's league or beer league hockey or any sort of hockey in their life, they, they know that when you're on the ice, it's a, it's a different experience for sure. But at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're playing with a bunch of either your peers or people you know. So it, it tends to stay pretty pretty professional in terms of, of what happens on the ice. You try not to carry any of that off uh, off the ice to, to the lounge or, or to some of the activities, whether it's a silent auction event or other. But it's actually not that difficult. But the, the key part I found working with, with leaders of each team as team managers, whether it's Chris Schmidt for his team or Jason Daniels or any of the 10 teams in the tournament, it's all about leadership, and typically uh, the managers of those of those teams are leaders in their community or industry, and that's what really drives a successful tournament. I've often found that you can tell a lot about a person by how they play hockey. So tell me what kind of player you are and, and maybe the correlation between uh, Laurie, the hockey player, and Laurie, the CEO. <laughs> well, it's kind of a tale of two cities, but um, <laughs> earlier in my playing days, I... Um, you know, let's let's just say Kenny Lindsman might come to mind for some people. Um, a lot of time in the blue paint, and then gradually over time, I got older and started to play a little bit different game, and uh, not so much time terrorizing goalies, but uh, more of a you know pass pass first and, and shoot kind of guy. Well, I know you're raising money for Ronald McDonald House. How is that money actually being raised? Is it are you just passing the helmet instead of the hat or registration? Or no, it's it's actually on a number of fronts. We um, basically each team had to had to register and pay a fee, and some of those fees, of course, go towards 
supporting the event itself. And secondly, we instituted a, uh, a raffle with four or five pretty spectacular prizes through uh, an online raffle box form. Uh, and that's generated, uh, as of about an hour ago, about $11,000 just in raffle ticket sales. And then wow. the third leg of it, we, we have our typical DKI Canada donation page for those that would like a charitable donation receipt. And tonight we're having at 7 o'clock p.m. At a, at a local restaurant a silent auction evening. And we're hoping to raise an, uh, a bunch of funds through that. So collectively, our aim is to achieve $25,000 donation just in this one event. But fingers crossed, we're hopeful we might uh, might be able to exceed it if things go well. I know it's hard to think of anything but the game while you're in the middle of the game. And that's the beauty I found with hockey is you can kind of tune other stuff out. But after the game, when when you can catch your breath, Laurie, and, and you, you start adding up in your head all the funds that you're raising, tell me about that moment. Yeah, I was kind of I was kind of reflecting on it last night. I was thinking about what what that's going to feel like when we do the final tally, and 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 I'm I'm not sure how I'm going to react. I think it's it is going to be fairly emotional. It is a it is a pretty good feeling just being in the middle of the tournament right now, knowing that we're raising a considerable amount of funds for such a great charity like Ronald McDonald House Charity in Canada. The the contributions to our community that's that's the sole reason we started this tournament and we wanted to make it an annual event. We start small and, and we have visions of doubling it next year and getting bigger and bigger every year. So we we really feel like to be a good community partner, we need to be part of the community. We need to give back for for the simple reason that we get so much from the people and businesses that are in our community every day. So it's it's pretty near and dear to our heart. We do a lot of a lot of charitable things throughout the year in our communities. Um, but we just kind of really felt the need to really stand out and let other members across the country know that there's different ways to raise funds and some things can be small and some can be larger scale events like such as this. We felt like we really wanted to have a cornerstone event that brought in business partners, suppliers, customers, everyone from all walks of life to come and enjoy a weekend, have some fun and uh, bring the kids out and watch some, some horrible men's hockey. <laughs> And you're doing it with the 20-minute break in between games. So helmets off to you instead of hats off to you. Hey, just finally, we talked a lot about the the actual tournament and and, and the great work you're doing for Ronald McDonald Charities. I got to ask you about your stats. How are you doing so far on the uh, on the scoreboard, you personally? Oh, where am I at? Uh, I think I had two goals, two assists last game. I had I had an assist with the Dragons just now, and uh, I'm not sure how much how much gas I have left in the tank for next game. So we'll say nothing next game. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know what? You're my vote for MVP. Thank you so much for this, and uh, keep your stick on the ice, and uh, you're doing great work. Hey, Denny, I really appreciate you making time to, uh, to include us in this. Happy to share the story. It's people like Lori Perizzolo of DKI RCCN who make DKI Canada a leader in Canadian property restoration. DKI Canada provides services to insurance, commercial, and residential clients from coast to coast. Whether it's an emergency response, water damage mitigation, fire and contents cleaning, mold remediation, or complete reconstruction, DKI members are available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. If you're ever in need of emergency assistance, the number is 1-855-DKI-TODAY. That's 1-855-354-2329. After some 30 or so episodes of this show, you know that DKI is made up of much more than people on the site of restorations, physically transforming disasters back into properties, homes. There are also a number of key people within the DKI family who make all those other moving parts, the figurative ones, come together cohesively for all DKI members across Canada. 
People like DKI's corporate office manager, Natalie Rotondo, whom we'd like to introduce you to via our regular feature called How I Came to DKI. My path, my path to DKI. My P-A-T-H to DKI. I was looking for a job, so I went on to Indeed, and I happened to apply to a few different companies, and DKI was one of them. I was definitely curious. I, I did a little bit of research into the company. Like I had seen a few of the DKI vans and um, trucks around, so I was already familiar with the DKI logo. When you're reading through the research, what do you remember that one thing or two things that you went, huh, I didn't know that? how long they had been in in the industry. I hadn't realized the longevity that they had actually been in the restoration industry. There's a sense of comfort there. It's already a reputable company. So the fact that they had that much longevity, it is reassuring to know that they're standing, like they've been standing in their industry and they've been leaders in their industry for that long. It does set the bar a little bit higher in comparison to other companies that I, I had been looking at. It was probably a month in. The culture of our group, we were a much smaller team back then. There was something about the way that everybody kind of connected. There was a little bit of an informality and a little bit of a camaraderie that I hadn't experienced anywhere else. It was so refreshing. And I was basically like a stone throw away from one of the managers. Like I would just turn my head and his office was right there and we would have like dialogues throughout the day. There was a lot of joking and we would go for lunches together. And this was all within the first month. It just became apparent that it was more of a team that they weren't as structured, which I I liked. You could tell that there was an ambiance of just friendship. I don't want to say that there wasn't structure, but there were like pockets in the days where everybody would be working, but then maybe in the afternoon or something, a few people would gather on one person's desk and then there would be a little bit of like a fun conversation that would go on. As soon as that was over, everybody was back at their desk doing what they needed to do. It sounded like you were getting things done, but you were happy as you were getting it done. A hundred percent, that's exactly what it was. It was definitely a lighter atmosphere. I I guess I could only compare it to where I was coming from. We weren't allowed room for like a lot of like this this side chatter or anything like that. So in comparison, it was really refreshing. So you're here for a while then? As long as they'll have me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hi, my name is Natalie Rotondo. I am the office manager and I work in the accounting department of DKI. And that's how I came to DKI. Back in Episode 7 of Season 1, we visited the site of a pretty significant disaster in Uxbridge, Ontario. Now, at the time, Mike Foley of DKI Foley was confident that historic church could be restored. Would be restored. There's a bit more light coming into the sanctuary, obviously. The altar area um, has been... Basically collapsed the roof. The roof above the altar 
altar area has come down and landed right on top of it. There's a lot of work involved in here, and it's intricate work. It's not your standard, normal subdivision-built home or custom-built home. This is a church that's been here from the 1800s. Um, there's a lot of lath and plaster and everything, so we have to deal with this very cautiously. But it's the architecture. I mean, to build the columns and stuff like this, it's not your standard. Um, this will take a while. We'll have to bring in some specialty trade. Obviously, we'll have to go back to more standard building materials when we put them back. We'll make it look like it was prior to the loss. Are you that confident, really, that you can make it? Yes, it's not going to be easy. But, but that restoration was not to be. Not because DKI Foley wasn't up to the task. Mike Foley and his team were, and still are, and always would be. Restorations, even the very detailed, intricate ones, are what they do. But the powers that be surrounding Uxbridge United Church ultimately deemed the disaster too considerable, opting instead for a complete teardown. Now, this does happen regularly with businesses, homes, but when it's a church, a community hub, a place of worship, it's different. Different for the church's congregation, certainly, but also different for Mike. I sat down with Mike at DKI's annual conference in New Brunswick to hear why and how this decision touches him differently. In hindsight, how do you look at that project now? Well, I look at it now like I did then. It's one of those things I wanted to do, I wanted to personally take it on as a bit of a challenge because I enjoy complicated, uh, interesting claims. That being said, looking at the magnitude of it and understanding the insurance aspect of it, there was a really good chance they might not have enough insurance to be able to put back what it was. Um, I was then also hopeful that maybe the community might turn around and say, we want it and we'll do what we have to do. Even if it was a modified version of what was there, um, but yeah, unfortunately, it just didn't work out. What was your reaction when you got the word that this is too big, we can't do it? What Take me back to that moment when you learned that news. I was upset. I mean, not because it's, it's you know, I wanted to do it. I, I knew our company would do it, and I knew our company would benefit from taking a project on like that size. But to me, it's about giving back and putting things back the way they were prior to the loss to the point where people don't even maybe know there was a loss because we try to do that and or we try to put them in a better situation than they were before it occurred but when they said that no it's it's not going to happen ironically i talked to the caretaker who was looking after it they already had in the back of their mind if this wasn't going to work they're going to put low-income housing and we're going to do something with the, the property but i heard from some of the other neighbors like you can't replace a building that was built in the 1800s. I just wonder how much it being a church played into that emotion for you. I grew up Roman Catholic, so, and I was an altar boy and all that kind of stuff, so I've been in churches a lot. I enjoy the architecture, I enjoy what a church brings to a community because as I was talking to some of the people earlier, that church was one of the original churches in Uxbridge and it was a community-oriented thing. However, as you fast forward to today's uh, generation, the new generation really don't have loyalties to anything anymore. So churches are struggling to put people in the seats. Um, but they're still part of our history. And to me, I love history and I love being able to fix it if I can. 
So when they said they weren't going to do it, it bothered me. You know what bothered me more? When I saw the demolition cranes knocking the building down. You say when you saw it, but did you actually make a point of going to see it or did you just drive by? I, I drove, I was two or three blocks away and I could see them taking parts of the building down and it was sad. But it's also progress. I mean, you, you can't be naive enough to know that something isn't going to happen. I mean, they could put a building that was a quarter that size and have the same amount of people coming to it. So, Is that a good thing? Because you're kind of shrugging your shoulders there when you look in the grand scheme of things. And, and, and this is also recognizing DKI Foley is not hurting for work. So it's not like you needed this. But clearly you felt an investment in this. So when you hear that they're going to build another church differently, what's your response there? Well, it's a church, but you can't build character. You can't build traditions. You can't build what that church was. Um, you look at the architecture, you know, you and I walk through it and, and you see the ornate woodworking and all that kind of stuff. You can't put a price on that today. Like if we today tried to build that church you'd be talking hundreds of millions because of just the architecture and everything that's gone into it. Nowadays, you build what? A square box, right? And a church could be in a, a strip mall. And we've seen those. And it's just, it doesn't have the same feeling. So how do you get past this then, Mike? Because you're all about restoring and, and not just tearing down, but, but rebuilding. So how do you balance that what you do, the idea of restoring and moving on with this uh, appreciation for heritage and history and, and community, what's that struggle like for you? Um, there's always another project around the corner. And that's the reason why I enjoy this business is because there is always going to be another storm. There's always going to be a, a flood or something occur. What I like to do is drive by a house and go, oh, I worked at that house. Or, you know, I worked on this. I remember this. And personally, I still remember most of the claims that I've dealt with. It's funny, you look back, and, and, and we talked a little bit earlier about some of the situations that we come across. And you can talk to any of the guys that are in this industry right now, and they will tell you, I remember the first claim I did. I remember this. I remember that. A lot of it is people don't understand this business. I mean, I take pride in what I do because nine times out of ten, the first time we come to your house, you're in a bad situation. So we put you back into a stable environment, and then we hopefully get you back to a better environment than what you were before. How would you think you'll feel when you'll drive past that church knowing that they're now in a stable environment, but it's not that church? Um, there, there's lots of memories, and, and, and you'll never get rid of your memories. So all the people that have gone to that church um, will be the ones that still pass that information on to the next ones. So wherever that church ends up being, if they go to a different building or whatever it is, the people that have been there before when that church was still alive will hopefully pass down to the next generation what it was. But you can't keep looking in the past. You've got to kind of look forward to the future as well. So whether that church is not there anymore, it's the people and the, um, with their feelings and their beliefs, and they pass that on. It's kind of like what we do as I do as a father passing it on to my sons, as, as you've done to your kids, you still have to, you, you talk about the past, but you've got to look at the future. So I look to where we can go and what we can do in the future. 
And to me, that's what still drives me in this industry. It sounds like you've come to terms and you've reconciled yeah. that whole situation at the church. It's going to happen. I mean, there's lots of times where I look at a house and next thing you know, they're going to bulldoze it. I can fix it. It doesn't matter. They're going to bulldoze it. And it might become economics or it might be that the homeowner wants the change. And that's something we can't control. But when I can give them something back, even so much as in contents, because those are memories. Like if I can get some photographs or something that means sentimental to them, the insurance company says it's worth 10 bucks. But personally, that's worth $10,000 to that person. If I can give them something back, then that's, again, another reason why I, I really enjoy this business. Big dreams, baby steps, big shoes. Show me some signs, God. Throw me some clues. Which way to go, God? Which path to choose? My thanks to Mike Foley of DKI Foley for his time and his honesty and his candor. Thanks also to the other folks on the show. Lori Perizzolo of DKI RCCN. Natalie Rotondo of DKI Corporate. And while we're in a thanking mode, thanks to Graham Lindsay for providing the musical bridges that tied all of those segments together, and to Close Kicks for writing and performing our theme music. DKI Canada actively contributes to creating a better future through environmental protection and social responsibility. Focused on leaving things better than DKI found them, DKI is committed to using environmentally sustainable cleaning products and mitigating risk in environmentally sustainable ways. Please tell others about our show and when you listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever your favorite streaming platform is, don't forget to rate us. That'll help steer others to the show. Send us your thoughts and story ideas by messaging us on the DKI Facebook page or by going to dki.ca. Across the street, across the country is written, produced, and hosted by me, Jenny Grignell. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Show me some signs, God. Don't need some clues. Which way to go, God? Which path to choose? And if I go left, will I take the right steps? And if I go right?